0: talk about superhero movies (laughs) (laughs) but only on the promise that uh generally we would not have to talk about them again
1: (laughs) yeah that's (laughs) like that's that's what i wanted to go for because
0: and i hate that the internet has ruined my love of these things (laughs) Because, you know, I I grew up reading comic books. I love superheroes. I love, I'm real basic. I love all of the ones that everyone loves. But it's gotten so fraught. Right. And it's bled into so many other things. <laughs> like, I, like, just the, we were talking as of this recording a couple of days ago. Yeah. The movie Joker came out mm-hmm. and it coincided with someone asking Martin Scorsese about Marvel movies to which Martin Scorsese replied that he doesn't think that they're cinema. He says he's tried to get into them. He just can't. My only reaction to it when I saw it was LOL, that checks out, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it sounds, sounds about right. Um, right. If, if I'm thinking about Marty Scorsese, I don't think that that's the type of person who's rushing out. Uh, to every big blockbuster uh, that's been (laughs) hidden within the past, you know, uh, seven to ten years. Right. But um, a lot of people on the internet, well, I'm not seeing a lot of these people. So I think that they're just like non-prominent like people on Twitter who are admirers of Marvel movies, I guess. But uh, apparently a lot of those people have been besmirching the name of film legend Martin Scorsese. Uh, And in turn... Everybody with any sort of clout within film Twitter has been uh, uh, turning their their snob phasers to stun <laughs> um, and just like going off not only on this um, contingent of, I guess, the Marvel fandom that is apparently so invested in Marvel movies that they uh, need to besmirch the name of Martin Scorsese, but also uh, just the Marvel movies in general, which I don't mind because I'm used to it. Like mm-hmm. I, I, even though they haven't fallen out of my favor, I guess I just uh, really didn't end up liking one and thought that it was indicative of me not liking them anymore. <laughs> um, but. It, people have been talking shit on the Marvel movies for as long as there's been Marvel movies. Yeah, like with the uh, even like people who like reminisce about like the first phase of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I remember really enjoying a lot of those movies, like the first Thor, yeah, like Captain America, the first Avenger, and right. stuff like that. And I recall a lot of people on the internet did not.
1: Oh, certainly. And
0: and Iron Man 2 and all those things. And I recall a lot of people on the internet did not. And it just became a thing when we found out that, oh, uh, they have the sort of producing contractual willpower to put all of these people on the same screen together. Yeah. And the Avengers, where this sort of blew up into a big thing. Everyone likes to like get in. Don't get me wrong. Iron Man a very good movie. Robert Downey Jr. deserves a lot of credit for helping shape this thing. However, the Marvel Cinematic Universe did not really exist until 2012 when the Avengers came out. Yep. Uh, but even then, like uh, my old roommate, a good friend of mine... Uh, I remember even then in 2012, him just being like, this is a bunch of excess. None of this matters and stuff like that. And those sentiments were echoed all over the internet and stuff like that. I think there is just sort of this deafening cry of fandom, which, you know, is happening everywhere that I think. And and also the fact that it's like now the most successful film franchise of all time. Mm -hmm. It's run, by a company that is, you know, practicing a lot of like pseudo monopolistic Financial uh, whizzing, <laughs> right <Wizard now>. <laughs> yeah, you know, and uh, so it's an easy target and stuff like that. Yeah, You're never not punching up when you go after the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Right. My whole thing about it is, I would like us to stop pretending that this what didn't exist before Martin Scorsese, right? <laughs> <laughs> like, because I, you know, I mean, we used to be in that Facebook group and people talk shit on the Marvel movies all the time. Yeah, uh, they it, it, like they disliked the marvel movies so much that they had to to prop up something that was completely different and not different and good just different, different. yeah yeah uh, to sort of escape it And that's uh, a a little annoying to me. So in terms of the superhero discourse, I think I tweeted out the other day that I don't really think that there's any anything genuine or new to get out of the discourse of uh, (laughs) uh, movies about superheroes, Um, which I think is okay. I think it's okay Uh, too. Yeah, you,
1: you,
0: <laughs> <laughs> we You know, we both listen to the Infinity Pod, which is a podcast that is all supposedly about Marvel movies and stuff like that. Right, But they hardly ever say on them because there's not much to say about them. And I don't think that that's a bad thing. No, it sort of reminds me of when and stop me when I, when I start rambling and talking too much. <laughs> but, the, uh, but it sort of reminds me of like when it gets really heady for me to just keep only having conversations about film that involve these movies. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay, so why are we so invested in this multimedia apparatus that's based on cartoons? Right. That's based on things that we enjoyed when we were kids. Yeah. Because they're like, even the Joker, this new Joker movie that came out. I find that I find it pretty inherently silly. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Because Batman is silly. Batman is super silly. It, it, like all superheroes. Yeah, You know, it's all super silly. You're going so far out of your way to uh, do these super adult. And by adult, I mean sort of like superficially adult. But like mm. these adult takes on children's characters. And then people push back on me about that. And they're just like, they're not children's characters. And I'm like, but they are. They
1: are. And that's to okay. To an extent,
0: Yeah. It's okay to be able. And that's that way. okay. Yeah. There's nothing. There's nothing wrong with something being silly. It's when you take a silly thing and try and zap all of the silliness out of it, where you lose me. Right. In particular. Yeah. But yeah, uh, y- y- you you uh, wanted to talk about superhero <laughs> movies. So so what about the current state of this particular genre of film? is is bugging you or not
1: bugging you or is just like do you feel is pushing you out. Well it's weird because uh I was watching it by by sheer coincidence um about, around this whole conversation. And I think it's just because I think it's just because the cable networks were like, oh Joker's gonna come out so we're gonna put on Batman related programming. Mm-hmm. Um I saw uh both Batman snippets of Batman begins and the dark Knight on TV. Mm-hmm. And I was like, it was suddenly I was just like absorbed again by those two movies. And I was like sitting there and I was like, yeah. And I was like, these are these are great movies. I had a, I I remember the experience of watching them in the theaters. And I remember the experience that how how Batman Begins was the movie that motivated me to go to like look up and and check out comics for the first time. Um, It was interesting. Yeah, it was like because I had I had fallen off from superheroes for the exact reason that you were talking about is that they're inherently childish things. So obviously, as I grew up, uh, I started to get more attached to other other things that uh, young boys my age would would get interested in, like the Star Wars and the Dragon Ball Z's and all that kind of stuff. Like the sci-fi, mm. uh, epic action sequences and whatnot. So Batman and Batman was my favorite superhero as a as a child. So it kind of like fell by the wayside after a while uh, because I think it's just the natural progression of how I grew up. But then I saw Batman Begins uh, when they screened it in uh, at my middle school one day, and I was it was s- supremely captivating, like supremely captivating. Um, and it compelled me to like pick up a comic for the first time because I had never been interested in checking out the comic books. Um, and then for some reason I decided to get infinite crisis as my first comic book, uh, to read, which was the, maybe like the strangest way to jump into comic books. I was about to say that's very (laughs) ambitious. (laughs) Um, but I mean, it was it, it was an, again that movie was enough to compel me to watch comics, to compel me to start checking out uh, those kinds of movies again. Um, mm-hmm. Because I had seen at, at, as a younger kid, I had seen Batman and Robin, Batman Forever, which was funny because Batman and Robin, Batman Forever, gave me nightmares as a kid as well. Which is which, in hindsight, now is inherently hilarious because they are probably and barring the 1960s version of the movie some of the campiest uh, cartoonish versions of batman um, yeah
0: and <laughs> it's 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 interesting i think because i think the culture at large was sort of awoken to superhero movies again with batman begins mm-hmm. and uh in the dark knight well with batman begins in particular i think um because they were looking for something different than Spider-Man. Right. Uh, Because Spider-Man was the new hotness Mm -hmm. back in 2002 and 2004. Uh, And before that, there was like X-Men and Blade, but X-Men always sort of felt X-Men really to me never felt like superhero movies because they the those movies took themselves very very seriously. Yeah. Um and Blade was like a lot of people didn't even know that Blade was a comic book character. Right. <laughs> so I think that there was sort of like a hush fell over comic book movies because of Joel Schumacher and his last two Batman movies. Mm-hmm. But when I think about superhero movies prior to the Marvel Cinematic Universe, I think about Spider Man. I think about Christopher Nolan's Batman movies. Mm-hmm. However, beyond that, I think about Catwoman mm-hmm. and Jonah Hex mm-hmm. and stuff like my super ex girlfriend and Fantastic and, Four and Fantastic Four and those things. So, uh, and I think that bled a lot into why the limitations of the Marvel Cinematic Universe or whatever don't really bother me. Right. Because um, we got a lot even of bad the worst <laughs> one is so much better than what we had when I was coming up. Yeah. So uh, I, I'm always just like, I know what these things are. They make me laugh. The action is cool. Sometimes the special effects are good. Right. And then I go home. Right. And we talked about it like I guess uh like the first little like episode zero thing that we put out. But I don't really watch the Marvel Cinematic movies over and over and over again. Yeah, That's not something I. um I've seen several of them like multiple times in theaters. They're theatrical experiences for me. I'm also a weird case because I don't like watching movies at home. Mm. Um, I prefer to be in a theater when I'm watching any movie. It (laughs) doesn't matter if it's like a big bombastic IMAX special effects spectacle or if it's Where'd You Go Bernadette, (laughs) which I love. Yeah. so, uh, so I'm I'm willing to go see them multiple times in theaters because they're they're fun that way. Yeah, but once you know, it's like Avatar. Once you take it off that big screen, I don't care. Yeah, what's the value? And, it, and, and it's and. I even do that for older movies I haven't seen. There are like classics that I haven't seen because I'm like, okay, there's going to be a Fathom event someday. I can wait to see that on the big screen. I can Mm -hmm. wait to see it at an Alamo. I can wait to see it. We have these Screenland theaters down here. They usually do specialty screenings like that. So, um, but to superhero movies in general, I think that, and we would talk about this a lot. This feeling that I have that we are in this cultural state of arrested development in which nobody wants to put away their toys, yeah. And I and this isn't about like paying money to go see them, go see whatever you want. I don't, I don't care. Agreed. But like culturally, <laughs> um, I think that there is something to be said about the fact that we are spending all of our money and all of our resources that we have in like Hollywood, I guess, on uh, these stories that aren't they they're not they don't really stick right and they are based around children's characters yeah they're children's characters captain america was a character in a dime store magazine that people gave to their kids to like sate them while the war was going on yeah world war Two was going on and yeah they sent it over in in care packages to the troops but they also sent all kinds of things over there yep. i mean not to i'm not trying to like diminish the cultural impact of
1: these characters and stuff like that
0: but they
1: are children's things i think it's i think it's good to contextualize them in that way because um again yeah i, I mean when trying to figure out like what their value is And, and why I think people gravitate towards them. I think people Mm -hmm. gravitate towards the archetype in general is because it's aspirational. They see these, they see these fundamentally, uh, aspirational figures, uh, who are conversely at the same time, uh, they experience very human moments, uh, over the course of the stories, they grow, change, um, learn to do things (laughs) and, Mm -hmm. and, uh, uh, defeat uh the embodiment whatever embodiment of uh evil is presented in front of them be it be it uh an actual physical opposition antagonist or their own personal evils and i think that's what i think that's what makes them i mean that's pretty much the baseline of why i think we keep coming back to them in in conversation and i think that's why i think that's why the best uh utilizations of The archetype are movies in where the archetype is secondary. And I think Mm -hmm. um, I enjoy the movies where the archetype is secondary um, uh, and not a primary because it's why I keep getting absorbed and invested in the rewatchings of things like Batman Begins and The Dark Knight and even The Dark Knight Rises, um, who I'm like, I'm one of the very few people that really enjoyed The Dark Knight Rises because it concluded a story about a guy who wanted to become or wanted to showcase to a city that was inherently corrupt that you can present this archetype and help utilize that archetype to do some good. Um, Mm -hmm. And he was just like, you know what? I'm going to stop now. That's it. Because you can't do this. I I
0: tell people all the time that my favorite thing about Christopher Nolan's Batman trilogy is that it ends. I'm like... (laughs) it has an ending. Yeah. And, and I think uh, another thing about the Marvel cinematic universe that I hate, uh, and I don't hate a ton of stuff about this Marvel cinematic universe. Right. I hate, um, like I hate the way they look sometimes. Cause they all kind of look the same. Sure. Um, just sort of visually, it's uh, it can be a little different to differentiate them from one another. Right. Um, I hate Scarlett Johansson's hair in the second Iron Man movie. <laughs> <laughs> um. Uh. And I hate that um, they have just destroyed endings.
1: Yeah, I think that's. I think that's the one thing I, that, like, uh, I mean, it, it has it has compelled. I think it's compelled almost everything in our culture to not have an ending anymore because I mean like we even, you see the, you see the outrage, outrage, I guess you, I guess you would call it outrage. I don't, I don't call it outrage. The, the complaining that went about in regards to the season, the series finale of game of Thrones and Mm -hmm. how it was just like, this is not, this is not like this character. This is not like this. Why, why, why did it have to end this way? Because
0: they thought they were going to be able to go in perpetuity. Yeah. And then. No, no, no. So let, yeah. And then they had to scramble together for an ending. Yeah. I didn't and like the thing I guess is yeah. that a lot of creators, uh, and and you know, who are stuck into this mode where they're constantly crafting and, and constantly recycling the stories about these characters that we see over and over again. Yeah. Because I don't think they know how to end them. No, like even end game, even Avengers end game is not an
1: ending. No, um, even though it,
0: it's called
1: end Endgame. game, <laughs> even though, even though it like technically ends the stories for characters. I never go, I didn't get the sense of, OK, this is a conclusion. Like, yeah. once it was over, I was like, yeah, that was fun. Now is it? <laughs> yeah. and I was I think like, that that's I, wasn't, fine. Yeah. I think that that's
0: fine. I just, uh, I wish that something, <clears throat> something that dissolves so quickly, didn't have such a stranglehold on the culture, right. And on the film industry, like it's like, but the problem is that people like it. Yeah, and, I mean, and it's not a problem that people like it. It's a problem that people only like it just by the numbers right yeah Uh, they like it in a way that it is the only thing the only sort of filmic culture thing that they will prioritize right and prioritize in the ways that matter yeah um which is uh scary for the studios because i think that you know as these budgets ballooned i sent you that Hollywood Reporter piece about um, the the quote unquote vanishing two hundred million dollar blockbuster. Right, where these things are starting to become so expensive now that they almost have to make a billion dollars to break even. Right, it's, or or to or to consider themselves having turned to profit. That's bonkers, um, and and that's scary because one studio is the only studio who seems to be able to deliver on that. Right, uh, with any sort of consistency, yeah. And it's all based on nostalgia. It's all based on recycling. It's all based on hey, here is that thing you like, but a little different. Right. So, but it's difficult to get people to take chances on stuff. And I and I kind of hope because I don't know really where it's going to go. I kind of hope that like these sort of subscription services and movie theaters are sort of handing out are. Going to try and offset that some, uh, because I have a list and Mm -hmm. a list is great, especially if you like watching a lot of movies. But, um, but yeah, it's and and like how it's weird how much people just don't talk about movies right now, yeah, like in this particular moment in which we're having this conversation. Because are we talking Marvel and well, I'm saying specifically because Marvel and Disney. Haven't had a thing, right? For like maybe like a month to two months, yeah. And the conversation around just film has just died down because of it. That's bad,
1: yeah. <laughs> and I, I mean, like again, I, I I don't know if it's necessarily the conversation around film that's died down because I think we're more well, well, we're not more the conversation around film. The conversation around volume, the movies themselves,
0: or no, the volume of. Discussion about movies that happens dies down nowadays, right? Disney doesn't have anything out.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, then, then it, then it gets replaced with the conversation about the process, um, which I think can get a little bit. um, It can be a little bit annoying and, and, and sort of just eye rolling it sometimes because we are, uh, people are trying to armchair presume be armchair executives For, uh, for business, uh, conversations and dealings that we are not privy to. Um, and it's hard to like. But the studios
0: like get online and they listen to people. Sure, sure. Which is stupid.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's it. That's that's true. But at at the same time, it's like, uh, I know that the customer is always right. But at the same time, it's like, there has to be, there has to be some sort of way that, Uh, I don't know, the big companies and maybe media conglomerates take, I think media conglomerates take social media a little too seriously sometimes. Yeah, because Um, who's
0: having these fucking conversations not on Twitter? Right. Like in their everyday lives. Right. Like, it's, it's so, it's funny that like... This isn't about superheroes, but there is this contingency of people on the internet who were very upset about not the last Star Wars movie, but the Star Wars before it. And um, those people saw, one, the fact that the Han Solo movie that nobody asked for was not a billion dollar hit as... A sign that they had power over Star Wars as a brand. (laughs) Um, and are exerting that power. In really weird ways, or not really exerting their power because I don't really think that they have it. I think it's it's the same. It's the type of person who's digging up tweets by like Pablo Hildago and is saying, "Oh well, this person uh, is some sort of creative type over at the steam uh, over at the team who handles Star Wars." Right. Uh, And they said a thing that I don't like. It looks like they're uh, like, and they're predicting that there's going to be like this mass boycott of Star Wars: The Rise of Skywalker really Uh, yeah like there is there is a part of the internet that is convinced that like this new star wars even has the possibility of like completely tanking sure because um there are angry men who uh thought that laura dern shouldn't have been able to like (laughs) Akira, a spaceship into another spaceship (laughs) and that's fine or whatever. But like you, when stuff like this happens and you build narratives, uh, these narratives build themselves because everyone's having like this constant conversation about nonsense. And I, I think that when it comes to the business side of this, because I think we've exhausted all we can talk about in terms of the business side of this, (laughs) um, not not actually being in the business side of it. Right. I think the <laughs> I think it's just a waiting game. Time will tell. Like I made a prediction that I think that people might just sort of fall out of this Marvel Cinematic Universe because I felt myself falling out of it. And I'm kind of a stalwart for it. I'm not like, oh, my God, the Marvel Cinematic Universe is the greatest thing in the world. But like I go see all of them uh, up till now. Um, And the only one that I came out like outrightly disliking was Spider-Man Far From Home. So even with the sort of, I guess you would say, brand loyalty that they have from me, I feel that slipping.
1: Mm-hmm. So I can't imagine that other people don't as well. I mean, i I think by that same merit, uh I'm see I'm seeing the same kind of brand loyalty and exhaustion coming from Star Wars as well, oh, which yeah, is because which there's is, too much Star Wars. Yeah, <laughs> which is fine. I think I think all of these are fine. I think there's supposed to be ebbs and flows in what is the thing, you know?
0: Yes, because we've done this two other times. Yeah, and it was oh, here a Star Wars. Yeah. And then another one every two or so years. Yeah. And then it goes away for like 15, 20 years. And that was like, I That's was cool. good with that.
1: Yeah. I'm,
0: I was good with that. I'm down. So I want to miss Star Wars again. Exactly.
1: Yeah. Like when, when, when the Force Awakens came, when the Force Awakens came out, I was like, That was Man, palpable. i was so like, happy that we have a Star War again. You know? The air was thick with the excitement for the I Force want, Awakens. I, yeah, and I the want
0: months th- leading up to it, I was telling random strangers about how excited like, I was. Like, I it.
1: like, I can't wait for when, I can't wait for when, um, the uh, what call it? I can't wait for when Warner Brothers does uh, Superman again because I'm like. Oh man, I'm so excited for Superman. I miss him. Like
0: in a way that I can't miss any of the characters from the Marvel cinematic universe. But also that's their fault because we had a bad Superman. And and here's and people always push back on me when I say that, but I also but I'm like, okay. And I guess this is the point, because this is not just about Marvel, it's about superhero movies in general. Right. We talk about DC. DC is another story for me, uh, because there was the Nolan movies, which they wanted to parlay into their own universe. Yes. But then Christopher Nolan was like, probably not. Nope. (laughs) Maybe no. Hard pass. (laughs) Couldn't we stop? How about and, I'm going to do Inception instead <laughs> and Interstellar. You know, and, he came, and he came back to executive produce and, and have story credit and stuff on Man of Steel, which was supposed to be the Superman reboot. And when Man of Steel was coming out, man, those trailers were amazing. Oh, man. I was so pumped for it. Yeah. And I like walked out of it and I was like, whoa, was that good? Because like I was I was in this like, wow, that was like emotionally affecting, but yeah. I didn't know how it was emotionally affecting me right. because, um, every time I revisited it and every time I thought about it afterwards, it just made me angry and angrier and <laughs> angrier and angrier. And angrier. <laughs> now I have since, cause we are, we're humans and we are allowed to grow. <laughs> I have since come to terms with my feelings about man of steel. I still don't like it. Mm-hmm. I watch it and I'm like, Man, well, if you are a person who doesn't like Superman, I could see this movie like being your justification really, for why. Well, no, not being a justification for why I could see this movie being an end to Superman for some people who don't like Superman. Ah, yeah. And the world he inhabits, because in my opinion, if you want Superman, you have to take in. I feel the same way about Batman. If you want Superman, if you want Batman, you have to take it all yeah. We have to take it all. Oh, that's the what that's what's so fun about Grant Morrison's run is he's just like, oh yeah, Batman, Obzurin R, Bat Mite, the Jokerfish. Yep. Um, all that stuff is real and happened. Exactly. And with Superman, there's so much that just like that to me matters to that character that so many people don't care about. Right. Because they only see him as powerhouse who is there to punch alien threat and Superman can punch alien threat. I don't care. But also he needs Lois Lane there. Also, he needs Jimmy Olsen in the Daily Planet there. Also, he needs at least one of his parents. He uh, He needs to to be allowed to like... Just be a person to be a person and not a God because whole, holy shit. The, the God's walk among us reading of, of, superman and to an extent wonder woman really irritates me Uh, well Um, i mean it
1: it works it works in the context of if you're framing that if you're framing that from the point of the villain or something like that that makes sense but you like but
0: have that being your definitive reading of the character with which the prism with which the story is being told yeah um i can't relate to that I've always been able to relate to Superman. That was the weird thing. Everybody's just like, this is the first Superman I can relate to because he is 33 years old and with no real idea of how to use his abilities. It's, it's, it's like, okay, so did you, did you like hit 30 years old and we're still having trouble, like walking in a straight line? (laughs) that's what this reads to me as. Right. And and here's the and and here's the thing. We won't spend too much time on Man Seal. I don't like those movies. I hated Batman v Superman. I still hate Batman v Superman. That's Batman. Not, but-
1: Batman versus Superman was the worst theatrical experience that I've ever had in a movie. I've, oh really? Yeah, it was. Well, I mean, it was that in the Last Earbender. or. Yeah, that, it was, it was Batman versus Superman, Last year. Was Air it Bender. because of the
0: movie or because of, like, the actual theater-going experience was It bad? was,
1: it was the movie. Like, I, saw okay. like, I, it felt, it felt like a slog. There were, like, interesting things in there that I was like, oh, that's interesting, but I mean, like, the moment, uh, the moment uh young bruce wayne was lifted up in the air by bats i was like oh no i was like we're in in for a time yeah um and then (laughs) suicide squad
0: happened suicide squad is just a bad movie it it, like and it's not into and they started this thing where they were like releasing like different cuts of the movie and they were like this is the real version no like you i paid money Mm. And you said this was Suicide Squad. So I watched Suicide Squad and it was bad. Yeah. That's okay. <laughs> yeah. People make bad movies all of the time. Yeah. But this is a bad movie. And it's and it's not redeemed by, you know, weird soundtrack choices. It's not it's definitely not redeemed by Harley Quinn because I don't like Margot Robbie's version of Harley <laughs> Quinn. But, but then, you know, I think we started to see a sea change. Yeah. Because then Wonder Woman came out. Right. I love Wonder Woman. Yeah, Wonder Woman a crack. lot of people have a lot of a lot of people have problems with the third act and I understand why they have problems with the third act of it but it's still good but if all of that the dialogue and all of it it felt Wonder Woman to me there were a yeah. lot of people who were just like isn't it weird that she has to like save the world with love but like as a person who has read every individual Wonder Woman solo comic from nineteen forty three until two thousand eleven isn't that her like that is, her <laughs> that is a wonder woman thing yeah <laughs> and it felt real to me it had fidelity to me as a person who reads wonder woman it's comics as a fan of that
1: character it's why i was so fascinated with this idea when i when i came up with the idea of like oh yeah if you were gonna con- if you were to continue this idea if when when we were talking about it we were like how does superman function in dc comics movies now and i was mm-hmm. like oh if you play him as a second fiddle to a Wonder Woman, or if you give, or you, if you give Wonder Woman the opportunity to be like a mentor type to uh, Clark, I think you could make for an interesting pairing of like this platonic friendship of like mutual respect and admiration for each other of Clark trying to figure out how to be a better hero and and uh diana teaching him how to how to be a better hero um i think that can make for a fascinating movie um this isn't just a plug for the film rescue episode that i did where we pitched the the movie but i mean like that was that was an interesting theme where i was like oh that could be an interesting way to bring to bring clark back into the fold of the of the dc universe and keep the what I think is now the, the main pillar of the sea change, um, in Mm -hmm. Gal Gadot's Wonder Woman still there. Yeah. Uh, no, but but then it was, then it was just a matter of like, how do you do that? And I was like, well, you shift it in like a, in a Mm -hmm. crisis altering Superman movie. And then that's that. Um, but, uh, that, that, like, I agree that it's like, that was the pillar upon which I think the rest of the multiverse, what I believe to be a multiverse now of DC Comics movies is being built upon, um, which is because, exciting.
0: Yeah, and I mean, you, you had a bit of because it was being made at the same time. You had a bit of a step back with Justice League movie, which had its own like set of problems. But then you had like Aquaman, which is and cool. Yeah, Shazam, which were both which cool. great. Yep. You know, and you've got this Harley Quinn and Birds of Prey movie that's coming out. That looks fun. Uh, That looks I that looks so good that I am willing to go into it reservations about Margot Robbie's Harley Quinn be damned.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, And. I I love the way it looks and these. And at the end of the day, I don't think the DC needs to have a universe, these one offs, these, you know, different versions of characters and stuff like that. I don't think audiences are so stupid that they'll get confused. I don't think that, you know, I think that they could just make those movies. I think they just make
1: movies. Yeah. And it's fine. What's funny about it is that we are we are several months away from having a a television event in where every single television show that DC Comics has, every single live action television show that DC Comics has produced is going to exist in the same universe altogether by way of an infinite crisis. So it's like, I... I think people are willing to be to to hop on board with the idea of like, oh, yeah, yeah, you can do different stories about different types of superheroes because they've seeded that idea so very well. I, I, I would say in in um, the Arrowverse, mm-hmm. which is and and again, I think the Arrowverse does a fantastic job and is the thing that we're looking for in superhero movies because they're a nice balance of both the most ridiculous aspects of like soap opera e uh high stakes drama and comedy and all that kind of stuff all together rolled into a single package and is why i am more invested in those kinds in all those series way more than i am any of the marvel cinematic universe any of the anything that dc has put out thus far post nolan
0: yeah but i also to be fair, you do spend a lot more time with those characters by nature of them existing in television shows. Yes. Um, so I think that it's a, I think it's a tad bit easier for the volume of it to endear you sure. to those characters a little bit more. Yeah, but I am now, excited. Now, the Marvel Cinematic Universe has a lot of volume, but it's a lot of volume of two hour movies. Right. But and but at the
1: same time, it's like, I'm really excited for Shazam 2. Because, like we got to sit with those characters a lot, and like is Shazam Two happening
0: of uh, to my knowledge, like, it is because the movie was not a flop by any means, well, okay, maybe it was a flop by my means, but it it did not solidify itself as a success by this new rubric of you know three hundred million dollars domestic.
1: But I don't know, I don't know if that was, I don't know if that's the metric that Disney uses to measure their success only. Cause I don't, I mean, I guess, I guess for one, for Warner brothers, I've noticed that there's a lot more of a trend towards like how it performs internationally. Um, yeah. So. Which is what ended up saving Godzilla. Yeah. Yeah. So if if Shazam performed well internationally, I imagine it will be made, a sequel will be made. Um but I mean, I loved sitting in that world. I loved sitting mm-hmm. with those characters and, and 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 seeing them interact and banter and just be be kids and also like uh a a a, a kid trying to figure out how to fly in a super in a superman's body. That's fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was uh, I, I think, I think Shazam owes a lot to, I mean, Shazam owes a lot to a different, a lot of different things. Um, but mm-hmm. the idea that it's inherently, that it was inherently, it felt like a kid's movie and it felt like uh, something that you would see on the CW shows uh, really helps its case for why I mm-hmm. think it, it succeeded with a lot of people. And I
0: and it took big swings. It, it did. It took big swings. The <laughs> post-credit sequence of their movie Is wild. With the worm, because it features it features Mister Mind, which is a character that like I never really fathomed before it actually happening. For it actually happened, I never really fathomed the idea of us getting a Shazam movie. Right, but um,
1: Mister Mind, that's funny. That's really funny. You think that's they would go, funny, they that's would go, great. They would be like, oh yeah, no, we're going to do Black Adam next because that's the logical thing um, that you would do. But no, they took the, maybe like the biggest, like if they do Shazam 2 with Mr. Mind, that's like the biggest swing maybe of any DC, any DC movie in recent memory.
0: Well, I think if we see this iteration of Shazam again, there's a chance that it might end up on HBO
1: Max. But I wouldn't mind that. Me neither. But especially cause Zachary Levi is so good as a television star. Like yeah. I remember I remember for a long, for a long time in college, I was like hooked on getting through Chuck. It eventually like slow it eventually got bogged down a lot, but I really loved the conceit and the premise of Chuck a, a ton. And I loved Zachary Levi as like a, a television star. Mm-hmm. So
0: and he's apparently he's great on the marvelous Miss Mazel as well. Yeah. So he, yeah, I don't, I don't know if we'll see a theatrical version of Shazam, two, whatever that may appear as. But um, the question, the last question that I have on it is, okay, so what does this particular genre of filmmaking have to do?
1: To garner your favor again. The the main through line that I am seeing in a lot of the stuff that I liked coming out of movies is that there isn't a focus on the archetype. Um, Because Mm -hmm. with Marvel Cinematic Universe, I think there's a lot of a heavy focus on the archetype itself. Yeah. Um, What I like about superhero movies is that they can be genre-based movies with the archetype sprinkled in. I think that's why I gravitate towards movies like Batman Begins and The Dark Knight and Shazam. Uh, I think that's why I gravitate towards out of the MCU movies. I gravitate towards the Guardians movies a lot more because they're basically Star Wars with the archetype of the superhero in, in that kind of uh, uh, like, genre of film um Mm -hmm. and um i think it's what oh it has to be that or it has to be like a send-up of the archetype much in the same way that uh into the spider-verse was kind of a send-up of the concept of what it means to be spider-man i like Mm -hmm. i like when i like when uh things like that are very self-reflexive and not in a wink wink nudge nudge way as like the marvel cinematic universe is mm-hmm. um but in a way that it is reverential of the material that's come before it or respectful of the material that's come before it not necessarily reverential but um respectful of the material that come before it but is able to blaze a new path and present us with sort of a an interesting perspective on on the send-up of what it means to be like one of these archetypes to be one of the chosen to 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 be chosen to be a Spider-Man or a Superman. I think it'd be really cool if Superman had like a movie like that, where it was like this new, this new dude is coming into the fold as Superman. And you have all of these super people from different universes showing him what it means to be a, a superhero. Um, that could be really fun. Um, I would, I would love having just like some random person learning how to be Superman from all these different other Superman and women and, and non-binary people and whomever just like doing cool things together. That sounds like fun. And then also, yeah. So the idea, and even like, I mean, I dug Logan. That was fun. Um, it's a Western, it's kind of like a Westernly type movie with, with the archetype of Wolverine, um, seated in with, I mean, and even kind of Wolverine's, uh, Wolverine comes from that kind of brand or uh, genre of Western movies because he's very much the same kind of like loner Clint Eastwood type uh, Mm -hmm. where he's like the lone wanderer wandering through the streets trying to like doing the best he can with the with the stuff that he's got, whether that's being a a good guy or a bad guy or whatever. Yeah, those are the kind of things that I think excite me uh, about superhero movies in general. Mm -hmm. Um, and what will make me want to watch them more? It's what makes me excited about, uh, WandaVision in particular, because it's, apparently they're going to be like Dick Van Dyke with, uh, Scarlet Witch in Vision. That seems really interesting. That's a really interesting premise. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like leaning into more of that instead of here's your superhero, make a story with him. Would you say that that's the same from you or I mean, generally, I would li- I would like to see less. Uh, 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 I would also like yeah, to there's see that, less.
0: There's that. I would I would like I would like <laughs> there to be be less of them. But um, also, I would like to see. Yeah. Um, less white dudes which seems yep. to be on the horizon it
1: does which is uh, which is so fun. That's fun
0: yeah uh i would like to see more of them be animated like mm-hmm. like you said spider-verse um, yeah and uh like you when you were talking about like people being taught how to be superheroes by the superheroes i was telling micah the other day i was just like the book super sons is just that like yeah Make make a Super Sons movie. Make an animated Super Sons movie, and I think that that would um,
1: that would be good for DC. That would dominate I think the box of, office in terms of like appealing to the market with which their main income is sourced. Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, because just merchandising and all that stuff, I I think that you you couldn't get something like that out of Disney. Maybe really? I think the closest we got was like Big Hero Six.
1: Well, I mean like I think it would be I mean Spider-Man notwithstanding, mm. I think the premise of what if I a kid gets to be a superhero is a really untapped premise. Uh, they did sky high. They did sky they did sky I mean like I mean like what what you talk about in terms of like <laughs> attack of the overdeveloped teens
0: well um, yeah but i mean but also i think that when we get into talking about like where really making for kids things the reason the things are so four quadrant right now is that like our kids into movies yeah and that's something to keep keep in mind but also yeah there are several other universes not that i need it to be a universe but you know <laughs> rosters of heroes and comic book characters that are untapped by Hollywood and their money. Um, like valiant Sony, um, made a movie out of bloodshot, which is a valiant comic superhero. Yeah. Who's like the punisher. If the punisher was also like the terminator, I guess. And, (laughs) um, I, I don't read bloodshot. I think he looks fine, (laughs) but he's part of this, Universe with like Exo Manowar, who is like this like medieval knight who um, gets into like this uh, time traveling, like exoskeleton super suit. Yeah. Um, And then there is Faith, who is, I think, the first, at least maybe in America, plus size female superhero. Hmm. Um, And a lot of other people like that. Yeah. Sony at least has the rights to bloodshot they made that movie it's got vin diesel it comes out in february
1: oh interesting okay um and then you know i think there's other places to go weren't they like trying to plot a course for like a like wasn't vin diesel like yeah i'm gonna do a cinematic universe with valiant comics or something like that
0: I have no idea. I, I don't. That's not something I ever read. I okay. know that I read there is a, a brother voodoo or something like that. There's another character who I think Sony also had the rights to. Yeah. And had been shopping around. But Bloodshot has been shot. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. is in post-production and is coming out in February. So. Yeah. Um, that, that I do know about. So I think there's there's stuff to be done. Yeah, and also if people just tap out of it, they tap out of it, and that's that's also fine. Yeah. So Teen
1: Titans would also be really fun to see in the big screen. Um, The Legion of Superheroes. Um, I think the Legion of Superheroes just because it's like futuristic and like we we haven't seen like a a team of superheroes from the future yet.
0: Or I feel like I feel like you would have a hard time differentiating it from Guardians of the Galaxy.
1: Yeah. I agree. I mean, I guess it would have to be something it, it would have to be, yeah, it would have to be something very clearly and clear and distinct. Um, I'm interested <laughs> whenever it comes out, Ava DuVernay's New Gods, um, that could that's going to be really interesting. Um, hey, I don't know. When I see
0: cameras roll, <laughs> I'll be right there. Yeah. On that hype train. Yeah, But I, I, I have a very, I am... Still skeptical that that is actually going to happen, but yeah. um, because things get written all the time. I know, um, I know, but the yeah, I think that's generally all of the thoughts that I have about superhero movies at this uh, given moment. Same, um, I think uh, I, I mean, like, please rent the farewell and also Little Woods, <laughs> yeah, and also, yeah, uh, fucking, uh what's fast color, <laughs> yeah,
1: also, uh, this is for anybody who has, um, made it through this uh sort of section of the episode um this is probably the last time that we're at least gonna focus on superheroes in movies ever um if you ask um us to do it if if we have if we have gained an audience to the point where people ask us to start talking about superheroes more like regularly, we'll just I direct will try them. to be less curmudgeonly about it. <laughs> and we we'll, we'll, we'll re- will redirect them back to this episode because, um, this will be the last, at least main conversation that we're going to have uh, in regards yeah. to it. Um, again, if you dig superhero movies, that's awesome. If you dig intellectual properties, that's also awesome. Um, I hope that people, uh, get the opportunities to create more more intellectual properties um, that are new and exciting for people to just watch and be excited about outside of the ones that we
0: already have. That's and true. if it was shot on a camera and you saw it in a theater or cinema
1: yeah, that's mm-hmm. true. That's true. Also so, also boom theme parks <laughs> theme parks are very high art because they're an experiential type of art. That's all I have to say about that. (laughs) Takes a lot of
0: manpower and a lot of creativity to put them together. Yes. um, (laughs) Yeah. Well, uh, you said you had a flat line. You said it was about Bernice. But is that just you like making fun of Bernie Sanders?
1: (laughs) No, (laughs) I thought I thought no. From that from that. You remember that reality show clip that you sent me or like midway through the week from uh, from the tow truck. Show
0: on true TV. <laughs> yeah.
1: That was that was my flat <laughs> that was my flat line. It's an amazing clip. Um uh, speaking of superheroes. Oh my um, god. <laughs> of this of this one this one woman who is um apparently she she runs a tow truck company with her friend, this woman Bernice. And she's trying to uh <laughs> she's trying to uh to uh, these two other women's car, and let's just say shenanigans ensue of is the it, highest tra- order. <laughs>
0: yeah, I'm tra- South Beach Toe is the South- name of the show,
1: <laughs> <laughs> so- and
0: Bernice is there. And her arms are perpetually crossed (laughs) and she she has giant sunglasses on and she can apparently be backed into by a car out of a parking lot, uh, three stories up, fall onto the ground and moments later be totally fine and able to punch a car window and <laughs> yank somebody out of it it is so. ridiculous
1: it is amazing and it it is my flatline for today i highly recommend i hope can we include the clip in the show notes so that way just people can click on it and like people Fine. can go watch it
0: i'm not here to yuck nobody's yelling when it comes to reality tv i watch married to medicine i can't say i ain't talk shit about nobody but <laughs> good lord that clip i was like what is happening.
1: What but, about you? Yeah. Do you
0: have a flat line? Well, the one you gave me is apparently uh, at KU, Kansas University, Kansas University, about 45 minutes from where I am. They invited Snoop Dogg to be the performer at their homecoming game. Okay. And boy, howdy, <laughs> did he cause a kerfuffle. <laughs> um, he apparently brought out stripper poles and stuff like that.
1: <laughs> oh my God.
0: <laughs> and, yeah, there's videos and GIFs of it all over, over the Internet. I text a friend of mine who's doing his Ph.D. over there right now. I text him. I was like, were you over there with Snoop Dogg in the stripper pose? And he said he wasn't. But uh, if you want to see it, it's an easy find on on uh, Twitter yeah. or probably on YouTube. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess that's one. Uh, the second is... Um, Sadness at the loss of like a black screen and stage legend, uh Diane Carroll, mm-hmm. um, who I most know from playing Dominique Devereaux on the original version of Dynasty, which I found out was rebooted like two years ago for
1: yes, the CW. It was. It, was. it started <laughs> um, um, it started Liz Gillies from Victorious. Yeah. So
0: uh I was like, okay, well, fine. <laughs> and, but yeah, um, She was the first Black woman to win the Tony for Best Actress in a musical Um, Hmm. and the first Black woman to headline her own American network television sitcom. Uh, She was also the first uh, Black woman on to play a major role on a network television nighttime soap. Hmm. Uh, that being Dominic Devereaux. And if you have ever seen the clip of her first meeting with uh, Alexis Colby, in which she takes one fourth of a sip of champagne <laughs> and says that it is burned, which is, which is a clip I saw years and years and years ago, which is how I found out that champagne could be burned.
1: Yes. Um, I mean, I can attest to that. You sent me the clip and I was like, Champagne can be burned, <laughs> <laughs> which which is apparently what
0: it what it means when the the actual chemical makeup and taste of champagne changes when you freeze it in the bottle. Oh, so um, yeah, all the learning. Yes, uh, but so, it's also
1: it's also a uh, it's it's a, it's a a shade to the <laughs> degree of uh, wealth this yeah. individual has. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> it's that
0: that whole clip is just is just so much. Yeah. But uh, yeah, just a beautiful lady, beautiful voice uh, performed some songs from Yentel for Barbra Streisand at the Oscars back mm. when Yentl was nominated. And uh, just sort of this pillar of black entertainment who um, I'm sorry to say that I don't have a ton of experience with outside of, you know, clips here and there from Dynasty. Right. So um, and that'll that'll probably be some homework for me going forward uh brushing up on her and her legacy and uh for uh and you know sending vibes and thoughts and condolences out to her family so that's uh that's that's good and she was very good so
1: <laughs> she, yeah
0: <laughs> diane carroll she was very good
1: good <laughs>
0: Diane Carroll, good um so yeah and i don't have a bad line that's good she, is it I'm first? Very good. <laughs> <Yay>.
1: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Yay. We did
0: it. We are now in the midst of this here, a show. Last week's episode said it was the second episode, but this is the actual second episode. Yes. And um, next week we'll be back to ramble on about other things. Yes, we will.
1: Because that is this show. That is very much this show. Um, <laughs> we hope you can just come in and enjoy the conversation and maybe at some point, contribute to the conversation. We would love to hear you on, uh, on Anchor. Um, you can submit audio messages on Anchor just by pressing the record button. I think there's an option to record um, and sending them our way. We would love to, if you are listening, feel free to send uh, topics, suggestions, um, interesting things that you have found over the course of the last week or so. Um, and we might just include them on, uh, the next episode of the podcast, CJ, where can, where can people find you on the internet so they can talk to you about these things? Uh, you can find me on Twitter
0: and Instagram at CJ period. That's C-E-E-J-A-Y and the word period. I'm assuming you know how to spell it. I also have a, another podcast. It's called Below Freezing with CJ and Micah. It's where me and my friend Micah, we watch a different movie that comes in at or below 32% on Rotten Tomatoes. And we decide whether or not it is still fresh or freezer burnt. More often than not, it is the latter. <laughs>
1: <laughs> They're currently in their the midst of their themed version. Uh, mm-hmm. of below freezing it's called below spooking and mm-hmm. uh they're reviewing exclusively uh spooky Halloween themed uh movies for this yeah. month and then uh I'm going to be on the holiday uh episode um with a bunch of other people uh reviewing a, a yet to be disclosed movie to me <laughs> yet to be disclosed to me movie um which which should be which should be a fun
0: time. So uh yeah, until next week. See y'all
1: in the group chat. We never know how to end this. <laughs> well, wait, you can find us at Dan and CJ on Twitter. You can. That's true. Yes. And you can you can get involved in our group chat that way. Um and uh you can also find myself at oh uh, shit, damn. <laughs> <laughs> This is casual, guys. We don't, we don't have a format to this show.
0: <laughs> um, you don't need to find Dan. He'll be here next week.
1: Yeah, I'll be here. I'll be here next week. But until then, you can find me uh, at the Deeper Cell on both uh, Twitter and Instagram. That's at the D-P-U-R-C-E-L-L. Um, I also have a Spotify mm-hmm. where music will eventually be populated with it. So feel free to uh, follow me for my playlists at some point. Oh, you should also follow CJ on Spotify as well because he makes a ton of incredible playlists. Right now Oof, he's got. So um, many. Right now he's compiling uh, his best of the decade. Um, I also yep. have. I also have a, a best of the decade that I've compiled as well. Um, feel free to check those out. Feel free to follow them. Um, We'll likely be sharing them towards the end of the year uh, when everybody's like, what is the best songs of the decade? Um, Eventually. (laughs) And it'll be like here. (laughs) We already did that. So (laughs) don't worry about that. (laughs) Um, Yeah. But until next time, uh, hopefully we'll see you in our group chat. Bye, buddy. Bye. That's a good ending. That's a good ending thing. We'll see you in our group chat. (laughs) I think that.